Mike, are you ready? I am ready. Fantastic. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Glass Half Sports. It is January. Today is January 27th. The 27th, yeah. I just, I, I lose track of the days. It's episode 33. I know what episode we're on, all right? We've made it all hell of a lot farther than 90% of the other podcasts out there uh, because this show is officially watched by the thousands and, and thousands, thousands of viewers uh, online on all of our different platforms. Can't thank you guys enough for helping us break that mark as we continue to attempt to move forward. Mike, as always, joined by you as the co-host. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, man. Uh, excited to talk, you know, championship weekend in the NFL and uh, the coaching carousel is in full bloom as well. So, <laughs> yeah. A uh, lot of moving parts in the NFL right now. The GM dominoes have tipped and the head coaches, uh, the head coach ones, I'm sure, are shortly to follow. Yep. They're so. starting to tip this morning, actually, on, on our way into the studio. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So uh, what do we got for the show today and where can they find us? Yeah. Uh, big show today. So we're going to do a divisional round review. Uh, I thought that was probably... One of the best weekends of football of our lives. I'm going to go ahead and step out on a limb and say the greatest weekend of football ever. Okay. Uh, Vikings new general manager hire. Uh, Wild Wolf Watch. Both teams are playing well. Championship weekend preview. Uh, are We we are going to play NFL Hot Corner. Uh, it's not necessarily NFL Hot Corner. It's just going to be like a 7-3. We're going to call it Highway 375. We're going to take three big topics from uh, around sports in general. We're going to give one seven, one three, and one five minutes. Uh, and just kind of go over what our thoughts are with the timer on kind of like our hot corner takes we've done in the past. Perfect. Gotcha. A little twist on hot corner. And then uh, MLB Hall of Fame results. Uh, a few shocking results in there, but. Oh, we're. I'm going to have some things to say to the writers and voters. I think that's one. why Nick's so uh, energized this morning is because of the Hall of Fame voting. Um, as always, you can find us on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, Spotify, and we are finally back on YouTube as well. Yes, sir. We are also, uh, we have a Twitch page up. We are not quite over there yet, but if you want to go ahead and give a subscribe in advance, that is always appreciated. And if you wanted to donate anything, head on over to our Patreon, all of them at Glass Half Sports. You can donate to the show. Help us grow this thing a little bit bigger. Yep. And if you do miss us uh, live, you can catch us on cable. Oh, As always, right, yeah. uh, MCN 6, Saturdays at 2 o'clock and Fridays at 7. Big time. So that completes the rundown, man. It Should does. We, uh, jump right into what you think is the best weekend of football ever? I don't see why we wouldn't. Um, and I hate that we have to report on it because it almost makes me like put a lid on this weekend of football. And I really would just, if I could relive that weekend over and over and over, I would do it. I would sit down and watch all four of those games seven, eight times a year. It was incredible. So uh, we can go ahead and start with the Cincinnati Bengals at the Tennessee Titans. Um, probably the least exciting of said games of the weekend, but still very high quality football. Yeah, when when you have close games like this in the playoffs, I mean, this is what it's all about. Yeah. Right? Can you win on the road in tough conditions? Can you, uh, like a, a Ryan Tannehill, can you truly revive your career and play well in the playoffs? Yeah. Um, and... A lot of questions were answered this past weekend in all four games. Quite a bit. Um, Joe Burrow just refers refuses to lose, period. I think, you know, and we're going to get to this as far as, like, who's really got the guy at the quarterback position, like their franchise guy for the next 10 years. If you would have asked me at the beginning of the season, I probably could have picked 10 or 12 different teams. After seeing what has transpired in this year's playoffs, I think that that number has been at least cut in half. Um, you know, if you're not the Bengals, the Chargers, the Bills, the Chiefs, do you are you really 110% sold on the quarterback that you have in house right now? 
that's going to be a good question to get answered because these guys are just displaying another level in the biggest moments that a lot of guys, they have a gear that a lot of guys don't have, which is always a plus. But my question on, a, on this game, less about Cincinnati, more about Tennessee, they play this very physical style of, of ball all year long, right? Punch you in the mouth, beat you down, wear you down. And then it, multiple years in a row now, it seems like they get to the playoffs and it has taken its toll. They have one too many injuries. They don't quite have the same physical pop that they had in the regular season against a lot of these teams. Is this style of football in today's NFL something that you can lean on in the regular season and then still have it carry over into the playoffs? Or do you have to be a team like the Niners that during the season takes the chance throwing the ball around the yard and then in the playoffs goes, yep, we know what we have to do. We're going to play smash mouth defense and run the football. I mean, I would kind of disagree with the notion that the Niners aren't uh, run first conservative play defense during the season as well. Um, I, I definitely don't think it's obsolete. Mm -hmm. I still think that that's the way that I would put together a team um, to play smash mouth football and have more of a game manager quarterback. Um, honestly, their, their formula for success is to run the ball successfully, play good defense, and don't turn the ball over. Yeah. Um, and they they hit two of the three there. And unfortunately, Ryan Tannehill of his old Miami Dolphins days made an appearance and threw three interceptions. And that's going to be the main reason you lose playoff games is if your quarterback throws basically more than one interception. Yeah, it's going to be hard to win, especially with the talent that you have to go up against, you know, at this point in the playoffs. There's very, very little margin for error. Next to none. Right at the highest level of football that they play, does this to you begin to raise questions about Ryan Tannehill's future in Tennessee? I mean, it, it all comes down to how much do you want to pay for someone that performs like that in the end, right? And I believe that Ryan Tannehill off the top of my head is paid top 10, top 15 in the league. Um, I wouldn't be too surprised if we do see the Titans try to make a move at the quarterback position. Yeah. Um, it'll probably be next offseason more so. Okay. Um, just because the draft class this year is a little thin at the quarterback position. Okay. Uh, yeah. And with, to me, did it look like Derrick Henry didn't quite get the the rest in recovery that we were hoping that he was going to get coming off his, his foot injury? Like, I think a lot of people expected, well, he'll have fresh legs, but he's also got a bad foot. So how fresh can your legs be when you can't use it? Go ahead and ask Zion Williamson about that. Um, it seemed that uh, Foreman was almost their better option in the backfield all game yeah, long. Yeah, Henry seemed uh, just a step or two slow. Um, and I, I don't think it's that he wasn't rested. Um, I just think it's if you don't use it, you lose it type He was thing. rusted. He was rusted. Yeah. Uh, it was just he hadn't played in, played in months. Um, and that's, that's really tough, you know, coming out against a, a really good team in Cincinnati. Yeah. And um, um, it just... I really think it boils down to Ryan Tannehill through three picks. If he throws zero, the Titans win that football game. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. Um, but the Bengals get it done, and now you're looking at this team as, oh, if they go ahead and invest all of their draft picks this year on the offensive line. Look out Cleveland. Look out Pittsburgh, who does not have Big Ben officially as of now, and uh, look out Baltimore. I think Joe Burrow is the man. He is the man. He's a man's man. Smoking so Joe Burrow. We'll, uh, we'll talk about the preview for the AFC Championship uh, a little bit later in the show. But this game started our divisional round weekend, and it was a great start. Uh, the second game of the weekend was San Francisco at Green Bay. 
And I would like to point out that we had three total people on the show last week. (laughs) And one of them guessed this game correctly. That guy right there. Green Bay. You were not a good football team all year long. And I'm sorry, but it got it got pointed out. Yeah. You were playing at home in the elements. You're supposed to be this great team that plays well in the in the snow, in the tundra. It was just odd to and me. And a team to from San Francisco came up and smacked you in the mouth. To see them shell up offensively like that was off-putting. Like, you would have thought all the weapons that they have, they're at home. I mean, they threw the ball 30 times. Yeah, but not effectively. They didn't run the ball effectively either. They did not run and the ball effectively. And their special teams unit, the Vikings have had some bad special teams mishaps in the playoffs. Right, like wide left to end the game, that's pretty bad on multiple occasions. But to have a blocked field goal to put you up before half, and then a blocked punt, it backed up in your own end zone that goes for a San Francisco touchdown, literally loses them that football game. And that's the definition of if you let somebody hang around long enough, they'll find a way to beat you, especially when it's a smart guy like Shanahan. I mean, I, I, I do lend credence to your opinion somewhat, but at the same time, if you are supposedly the best quarterback in the NFL, if you screwed around and played Jeopardy all offseason and didn't basically <laughs> need minicamp or OTAs or anything like this to be ready for what everybody was expecting a late playoff push, and you get eliminated in the first round at home and don't throw any touchdowns. Yeah, well, I mean, Jimmy G didn't throw any either. But no, he's not going to catch. Jimmy G doesn't throw <laughs> touchdowns in the playoffs. Ever. Jimmy G throws the ball maybe seven times in the playoffs and wins football games. But that's not the formula that Green Bay has had, and that's not the formula that Green Bay made everybody think that they had. Right. Twelve was supposed to be the guy. The to carry everything. To carry everything, he was the glue, and he he, I mean, he acts like he's basically football Jesus, and the fact is. I think he's one and four against San Francisco in the playoffs in his career. Uh, he's zero and four. Zero and four. Hey, you worse. know what? Remember, uh, remember, you go back. We, I wish we had the clip where he's like, "Oh, I'm going to make San Francisco, you know, regret that they didn't draft me. They didn't draft him, and he still gifted San Francisco four playoff wins over the course of his career." Check there you go. Um, Green Bay was not as good as they thought they were. All I don't year think. Long. I don't think they ever all like. I'm finally just maybe drifting more towards your side of the table here on. Are they ever really as good as we think they are? Every year, they post this incredible regular season record. Rodgers has these awesome stats, and they've got all these pieces, and then they get into the playoffs, and they shit the bed. And it's every single – it doesn't matter what round it's in. At some point, they just lay an egg, right? Fittingly, though, this Green Bay team ended the season the way they started the season offensively inept. You looked at how they played against New Orleans and then versus how they played against San Francisco. Those games were almost identical. Yeah. I mean, how many times did we say that they got lucky throughout the regular season? Yeah. This easily could have been a 10 and seven team. Very much so. Yeah. If not even worse. So I'm sorry, Green Bay. I think your window of winning is over. It's over. And it's absolutely the best thing in the entire world as a Vikings fan, because I think 12 is done. I think Devontae Adams is leaving. I think he is too. And y'all ain't got nothing. The cupboards are bare, and you're going to suck for a while. It's I'm okay with awesome. that. I'm okay with that. Do you think that 
So is Aaron Rodgers, and we'll get into this, obviously, as the offseason continues, right? He's got some decisions and stuff that he wants to make. You hear that, too? Yeah. Um, that he wants to make, but um, is he done playing football, or is he done playing football in Green Bay? If you had to guess in right In my now. opinion, it's more so the latter. Okay. And we will talk about this more and why I think the way I do, but I think Aaron Rodgers is going to be a Denver Bronco next regular season. I've got, I've got a wild theory for you that might catch some traction here. Tom Brady retires, and Bruce Arians goes and gets Aaron Rodgers and runs it back one more time. That would be Tampa. sweet. That would be sweet. All right, well, speaking of Tampa, uh, the next game throughout the divisional weekend was Sunday uh, the 23rd at 3 p.m. The Rams visited Tampa Bay. This was a hell of a game. Go, Matt Stafford. Go. Yeah. Um, honestly, I thought we were going to see a normal Tampa Bay Come back. 27 to 3. I was like, here it comes. They came all the way back. I think, what was it? 27 to 27? Uh, yeah. So, is that yeah. right? Um, and then Matthew Stafford with, what was it? 15 seconds or something. I, I get the two games mixed clock up. Clock it. Um, clock it. Clock it. Just like in just like in Detroit. Reminded me a lot of the clip where he dislocates his shoulder um, and he, he runs all the way down the field to clock it as well. Um, this was an absolutely fantastic game. It was a little... Uh, Unfortunate to see the Bucks start so slow. Excuse me, I was I was okay with this. Were you? Yes. You wanted the Rams to go. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Matt Stafford deserves it. Stafford deserves it. Odell Beckham, as much as nobody likes him as a person, I love him as a wide receiver and a weapon. And when he's good, he's one of the better receivers in football. I think we can all. He had to put up with three years of Baker Mayfield to get here. There are guys, Aaron Donald, multiple time Defensive Player of the Year that deserve to be in the Super Bowl picture. Jalen Ramsey, one of the better corners. These guys deserve to be one of those teams that doesn't just get glossed over in the era of Brady greatness. So yeah, it was 100% on the bandwagon of the Los Angeles Rams getting to play back-to-back -back home games leading into the Super Bowl, or one being before, one being the Super Bowl, in SoFi. I think there's nothing better for that team. I mean, there isn't if you're a Rams fan. And for some reason, I just, I guess I wanted to see, I want to see Tom Brady in the NFL until he is 50 years old and gray. <laughs> um, that's just something that I would like to see in my lifetime. That's something like, obviously, what he's done already is once in a lifetime. Oh, yeah. Um, but just to keep, continue it going, seeing an eighth ring, a ninth ring, because my Vikings aren't going to win one this year. So it might as well be Tom Brady. <laughs> um, I don't know. But this was a hell of a game. Matt Stafford shows he can be clutch in the playoffs, um, and that's going to be... And Odell, like I said, Odell and Cooper Cup look like... Can you imagine they're going to get Robert Woods back next year? Yep. Yeah, and if they can find, uh, in my opinion, a top 10 running back somewhere, this is going to be kind of nuts. Well, they've got Cam Akers. Yeah, I'm still not sold on Cam Could Akers, be probably. healthy by next year, you know what I mean? It's just, this is... Be very afraid. Be yeah, very, very afraid. Absolutely a hell of a game, though, if you missed this one. Uh, you missed a you missed a gem. Uh, going into Sunday evening, which was, in my opinion, if it was probably the best game of the weekend, but the Rams Bucks games both ended very similarly. The greatest display of artistic quarterbacking in fucking history. I watch. I don't think I was able to close my mouth for four quarters. Every time I I looked up, amazing play by Mahomes or Allen. A great decision. Like. Every single time, it was in. If you missed this game, you missed something historic. Yeah, that's that's really all I had to say on that. You were right. You called it. 
I'm going to call the winner of this game myself because I get to watch this game. You are 100% correct. I mean, whenever you have generational talents like Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, um, I think Pat said it to Josh at the end of the game, we're going to be doing this for a lot of years. Yeah. And as football fans, that's something that we can really be excited about because these two will be the new Brady-Manning matchup in the playoffs every year. Hopefully it's not so lopsided, but yeah. Yeah. Um, and honestly, it's it's lopsided for the same reason it was lopsided with the other one. Um, one guy has an amazing team behind him. Yep. One guy has some stars in him. Yeah. Um, and it's it it's just a testament to Josh Allen and his talent to be carrying that team the way that he is. Man, he's a he's a weapon. And like I said, this is what brought me to the theory. You, if in Daniel uh, Daniel Dan, uh, Daniel Jeremiah, there's the name I'm looking for, um, said this. I believe it was on the Rich Eisen show on Tuesday this week. If you were a GM and you were up watching that game and you're not the Bengals, the Chargers, or either of the two teams, maybe da- you know, maybe the Cowboys with Dak because they've invested a large amount of money in him, you can't look anywhere around else around the league right now and go, oh, we've got our guy for the next 10 years. You just can't. Not if that's what you're running into at the top end of the playoffs. Guys like even Rodgers, guys like an aging Brady, um, you look at, you know, Trevor Lawrence, you can look at Kirk Cousins, you look at Baker Mayfield, you can even look at guys like Lamar Jackson who are limited in one way or another in their skill set and go, oh, holy shit, we're still missing that extra piece, that extra gear, that when everything else hits the fan, our guy that slings the rock or controls the offense will find a way to drag us to a close ball game. Yeah, I saw a tweet the other day. Um, I'll try to remember the quarterback names, but uh, the tweet basically said, you know, I, I got to say it. I think it's going to be more fun to watch the Mahomes, Allen, um, Lamar, Burrow era than it was to watch the Manning, Brady, Roethlisberger. Um, these guys are just on another level. The arm angles and the athleticism, um, not necessarily saying a scrambling quarterback, but just the athleticism to extend the play and then to drop your arm angle and throw it around a linebacker. Um, it's the talent is getting off the charts for human ability. Like yeah. there there's we got to be reaching peak performance here p- pretty close cuz I don't know what else someone could do that's better than what these two guys uh showed on Sunday. No, absolutely. And I love what came out like I said. I love what came out of this game that wasn't even a part of this game. You you take a look at that statement that Daniel Jeremiah made and then like we're kind of massaging that and then you look at Carr wants out, Wilson wants out. Uh you take a look at um Kirk's in a contract. <laughs> Ooh contract year anything anything like that right so now all of a sudden you're looking at the quarterback carousel there's a lot of open seats all of a sudden or there's a lot of guys that are looking to change seats and i think we're to come off what is going to be the longest season and probably the greatest up to this point playoff that i've ever seen in my life is going to be followed up by one of the most intense off seasons with all the gm firings and new head coaches and guys that want out that we're gonna and i am here for all of it that's what we're here for so you just come watch us and we'll walk you through it step by step week in and week out Correct. Uh, so now let's uh, go back to the actual game itself. Yes. What's one thing that stood out for you uh, throughout this game? You know, it was the continuity that Kansas City seems to always show in the playoffs. Okay. The belief and the faith that it's going to get done in what, like, the the lack of panic, right? They just went out, and it was business as usual. Every time they needed a touchdown, that's what we needed. Field goal, that's what we needed. Stop on defense, that, and nobody panicked. Nobody played out of position. Nobody played too big for their own shoes. 
Nobody made the big mistake. They really do just stay the course and basically say, this is what we're going to do. And we're better than you at Nine it. times out of 10, we're going to get a W. Yep. And if we don't, oh, well, we're just going to come back and do the exact same thing the next game. They are they are the definition of having like a supercar, right? Like you're always going to be able to be moving faster than all the other cars on the road. But if you want to compete at the highest level, sometimes it's a minor tweak here or there, right? right. It's that extra RPM. It's the new filter. It's, it's all the things. It's all the internals. And that's what the Chiefs are. Okay, they struggled the first four to five weeks out of the season. Who fucking cares? All they were doing was tinkering with what's going to work down the stretch. You look at look at them now like you used to look at New England. New England for a lot of years got off to two and three starts. Right. Kansas City can do that now. And not to say that they're flipping a switch, but they push all of their momentum into the playoffs. And I think that's the best thing for them. They are peaking at the correct time. Um, one thing that definitely stood out to me, and this is to not take away from Patrick Mahomes and his playmaking ability because he did make some plays um, on Sunday that basically elevated the Chiefs to that victory. But the thing that stood out to me was Buffalo's defense was unable to make a play when it mattered, even yeah. once. Um, the Chiefs D stood up a couple different times, made the Bills at least face a fourth down. Mm -hmm. I think they went for two of them in the game, and I think they got both of them, if I recall. I think so. Um, but the Buffalo defense was just unable to stick their foot in the ground and make that stop when it mattered. And I think it bled into the last 13 seconds of the game. And yep. then it bled right into overtime. They were just unable to truly even slow down that Chiefs attack enough for their offense to basically get them the advantage. And that was kind of the critique that people had on them when they were losing games during the regular season. It wasn't so, necessarily the offense because, right, you, you figure you give the offense enough chances to be out there. It's going to happen. Right. The defense or the Bills' defensive side of the ball with all the power that they have, I think they have the two – the greatest safety pairing in the NFL right now. You know, are they – they're well, still they missing Travis White on the outside, but he was down. Yep. You know what I mean. So like they were missing that guy. Yeah, some pieces, some pieces. But you definitely have to be able to when it counts. Just be like, no, you're not. Like look at like I said, look at what San Francisco did to Green Bay. I mean, do you think this this is a reflection of uh, Leslie Frazier and the conservative, make them earn it type football that we've seen from him, even when he was back in Minnesota? I mean, especially you just look at that last play of regulation where they were giving Travis Kelsey a 10-yard cushion and outside pressure, where he could just run a seam with absolutely no one collisioning him, no pressure whatsoever, turn, catch the ball, timeout. That's the, probably the easiest answer I'll ever okay. have to give. That's why so, it surprises me. So you think me. Leslie Frazier is still in head coach contention at all? No, after what no. Happened? Okay. Do you think Brian Dable is on the other side of the ball? Yes. Okay. You right. can't not look at how Josh Allen has developed as a quarterback in his understanding of defenses and the and how he runs that and controls that offense and go, oh, yeah, no, Brian Dable had nothing to do with that. I mean, if you're going to hire Brian Dable, my opinion of him has changed slightly. If you are going to hire Brian Dable, you better have an indoor stadium or you better be <laughs> south of the Mason-Dixon line because that ball will be in the air 90% of the time. Yeah, roll damn tight or something. Yep. Uh, so if, <laughs> please let us know what you thought of what was probably the best weekend of football in a very long time. Yes, sir. Let us know if we missed anything, any opinions that you want to voice about any of the eight teams that played this past weekend. Yeah, we'll get back to you guys either live here on the show or in the comment section afterwards on social. As always, glad to hear from you. And if you're tuning in and like everything you hear so far, go ahead and hit that like, share, and subscribe button so we can get this out in front of as many people as possible as we now trek to 2,000 views not that we're greedy or anything but progress is the name of the game so uh 
other outside of that, we do have some big news here locally for Minnesota. We have a GM again uh, here. I'm going to let, let you go ahead and attack the pronunciation of said name because I've butchered it nine million times this morning. I am crazy for Quasi Adolfo. Oh, you were myself. listening to pay to Paul Allen on the way in. Crazy. <clears throat> I was, but I didn't hear. Did he say that? Yes. I'm crazy for Quasi. Yeah. All right. Well, I am as well. Everything that I continue to learn about this guy um, makes me more and more intrigued about what is to come. Yeah. I am extremely excited about draft day mm -hmm. and this offseason mm -hmm. moving forward. Um, Success has followed the guy seemingly everywhere he's gone since leaving Wall Street, right? <laughs> Which I think is an interesting approach, right? Because as a Wall Street trader, you know, sell high, buy low. Right. So that's, that could be a good, that could be something to look at to come, right? Is understanding the value not only of the right now, but of the future of specific players um, in specific roles. You've seen uh, guys like um, Bill Belichick has made a successful career out of a lot of that. Bring in late round draft picks, getting them to their ceiling, trading them away for retooling former draft. college lacrosse players in, or Randy Moss, who looks like yeah. he had lost a step, or, you know, these other, and bringing them back to life. So, Hopefully, some of that does apply. And like I said, he was at Stan he was at Stanford uh, and then out to San Francisco starting in 2013 up through 2019. And in that block, you look at the team that they were able to build, and he's on the evaluation and development and business side of things. He's involved in some of the day-to-day fo -day football stuff, but like the defensive line that they've been able to muster up over the last six, seven years or the six, seven years that he was there. The trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. Something that I'm sure while he was there, conversations were had about on value. Um, the head coaching staff that has been brought in or, um, you know, bringing in guys like Richard Sherman for that year where he performed really. It's just, it's one of those things where you're like, okay, he seems to show up and good things happen. You know, he goes to Cleveland and the same thing. The accumulation of talent in Cleveland is very high level as well. You know, they wait till the last minute to bring in a guy like Jadavian Clowney. Why? Well, because they know what he's worth, but it reduces his value when there's less teams in the pot and there's less cap room available all over the league. Like understanding those things, I can say at times is something that Minnesota has missed over the last five or six years. Would you agree? I mean, the biggest thing that I can take away from this hire is it is it is changing the direction of the Viking ship. Yeah. Um, it's definitely more of an analytical approach, definitely more of a numbers approach. But with that, He's an extremely charismatic guy and yeah. very down to earth from everything that I've heard. Yep. Um, he was asked, uh, there were, there were three guys in, I want to say the Cleveland, um, front office and coaching staff. So it was Kevin Stefanski, uh, Kwesi, and then I want to say like their VP of fan sales or okay. something crazy. They, they'd all gone to an Ivy league school. Okay. <clears throat> this is straight from the Paul Allen show this morning and I'm. Give him his credit. This was a cool story. It just shows how down-to-earth Quasi is. Um, they had all gone to an Ivy League school. Uh, Quasi went to Princeton. I believe Kevin Stefanski went to Penn. And then the other guy had gone to, like, Harvard. Mm. And they asked all three of these guys, you know, if we played Jeopardy with you three, who would win? And Quasi was the first one to answer. He just said, it depends on the categories because if it's 90s R&B, these guys are fighting for second. <laughs> I thought that was just an awesome answer from, like, someone who – you That's definitely do good. not think of to be kind of in that realm at all. Yeah. Um, so right away, was he the right guy for the hire? Now I understand there were some other candidates. Obviously, uh, Ryan Pohl goes to Ryan Poles, yep. goes to uh, Chicago, and he was one of the finalists as well. Him being the traditional football guy background, 
He was in NFL training camps. His dad was on a roster for a while. He came up in the scouting department, player development. You know, Kansas City has had a pretty good track record of finding some diamonds in the rough when it comes to the draft versus a guy that comes from the exactly the exact opposite side of the spectrum. Do you think this is who we wanted to begin with or who we would have landed with if both guys were still available? Well, you know, I actually learned a tidbit of information that does not surprise me at all about the Ryan Poles decision to go back to Chicago. Um, I believe he started his career as an undrafted free agent Correct. for the Chicago Bears. Yes. Um, so a team that gives him that type of opportunity to basically break into the NFL in any way, shape, or form, that's a huge bubble to break into. And then once 100%. you're in that bubble, you can do things like become a GM Yeah. 15 years later. Um, and I think he's just basically giving back to that organization. Uh, I think that there are some ties there. And, you know, maybe a division rival like the Vikings just wasn't ever going to work out. Yep. As far as, you know, is this our first choice, the whole process? Obviously, we don't truly know that. Um, we don't know the process that they went through. We were not in on the interviews. All I can say is I am actually extremely excited about the hire. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to see the Vikings do things, hopefully on the field and uh, in the locker room that is analytics-based and numbers-based. Yeah. Because I feel like for too long and, and fans are guilty of this too we we want the team to be ran where the good guy kind of gets what he deserves so funny that you say that i was watching a and this will probably be the perfect caveat to what you're about to say i was re-watching the last dance the other day and that quote where michael talks about winning and success comes at a price Sometimes it's not the good guy that always wins. Michael was looked at like a villain for a long time, but guess what? Six for six. Every time he got to the big game, he brought it home. Like bringing in a guy like Rodman may rock the boat a little bit, but that's what it takes to win. I'm hoping that with that analytic approach and that shift, maybe a little bit more business-oriented approach versus the win one for the Gipper, you know, put one on the board for the good guy kind of thing is what makes the difference. Yeah. And I, honestly, I wasn't even referring to as much as bringing prospects in as much as I was shipping them out. Yes. A lot of Vikings fans would probably be very upset if number eight were to be traded tomorrow. Who? Oh, trust me. There's a lot of them out there. I disagree with them, but there's a lot of them. Out I can there. promise you there's not a whole lot of them that watch this show. Kirk Cousins needs to be moved yesterday. Yeah. And I think that that is going to happen with Kwesi. Mm -hmm. um, I think head coach is probably going to be the first domino to fall. Uh -huh. Make sure that the head coach is okay with that decision. But that is also probably something that's going to be asked in the interview process. Would you keep Kirk? Right. Um, and I, I, I strongly believe that Kirk Cousins will not be the quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings moving forward. Yeah, I do too. And I just I, don't see it from a numbers standpoint making any sense to a numbers guy. No, it $45 million in cap next year. Right. You know what I mean? We've top got three. our cap is very top heavy right now. Um, if you look at like how our, our salary breaks down. And so what I actually had written down here was I'm going to withhold judgment on, was he the right guy? Um, or what, what, what necessarily is he bringing to the table? We've touched on a lot of that, the analytical, the very business, you know, I'm not going to say shrewd, but business forward approach to how to build a roster. Well, and I just want to like be that. clear too, as much as he is business oriented and numbers based, mm. He is a people person. Yeah. Um, which I think is going to be a, a breath of fresh air as well. Yeah. In us moving forward with the organization. Right. And so I wanted to withhold judgment until like the head coach still needs to be hired. Right. We got to figure out what does the, like, 
the head coaching decision will say a lot. Like who he decides to bring in from a head coach standpoint, I think will say a lot about what the future is going to look like, obviously. Before we move on as well, I just want us to circle back when you're done with this. Yeah. Um, as far as your favorite HC candidate again. Okay. Um, so I wanted to see the, the head coach. What are they going to do with the quarterback and some of the big money deals that are on the table, like the cap gymnastics? Like there's one thing that I will always give Rick Spielman credit for. For some reason, we always had money to get the roster done to where the team on paper looked like it could compete in the playoffs. Right now, obviously we had there were years that that didn't happen, but the first step in that is making sure you have all the right guys under the cap in-house. So I want to see what kind of cap gymnastics can be performed and then what's going to happen in the draft. I think those are the three things that will give us a real good look at how how well suited and how well prepared was he specifically for this position moving forward. So you are basically giving him a one-year probationary period almost. I'm going to give him until the start of the season to see how the team looks. All right. Fair enough. Before I make an actual judgment on, hey, this was or was not the right decision. I am excited. I am hopeful. I'm going to land on the optimist side of the coin for the optimism side of the coin for this or optimist prime, whatever you want to call so it. So glass half full. There you go. There you go. We have a show named after that. It's ours. But yeah, um, for you, any any anything that might trouble you in this hiring? The only thing that troubles me is if you do look at Cleveland and you do look at San Francisco, both of them took time. And both of them they, have they, quarterbacks that they're not exactly happy with. Yeah, but. Again, I don't know if the model is necessarily needing a top five quarterback in the NFL today. I don't think it is either. Um, so, I mean, shoot, dude. If we're going to be 11 and six, I hate those records still. So, uh, if we're going to be 11 and six or 12 and five and we get knocked out of the playoffs every year for 10 years, at least we're watching 10 wins a year. Right. You know, instead of this eight, nine mediocrity. Like not even getting to the Excitement playoffs. heading into the playoffs. Right. Um, and then my favorite head coaching candidate available. Honestly, man, still probably still probably Doug Peterson. Really? Yeah. Yeah. His name has not been out in the waves as much as it was two weeks ago. True. Um, I mean, unless you can, and we'll get to this later, unless you can coax Sean Payton out of it, which is the probably the name. But that, he is still under contract with New Orleans for, for the next years. two years. Um, needs to hit in the draft. Yeah, Tevin Pittman says uh, the new GM needs to hit in the draft in year one, and I would agree in would order agree to, as well to make this a, a legitimate retool. But I think Doug Peterson would be the right guy. Only reason I say that is because I think he's got enough experience at the coaching position, um, and maybe managing up a little bit, like communication with a young new GM, that would make sense. And he's still an offensive-minded guy that can cover down, that has good connections with other coaches around the league, could be able to bring in his staff, you know, do things like that. He may even be able to retain a guy like Andre Patterson as, like, a defensive coordinator outright. You know what I mean? Like, I think he's the best candidate for the job. Do I think he's going to wind up here? Hmm. Hasn't been a whole lot of rumblings, you're right, but we should hear more about that as we now have a GM in-house and that search heats up. Right? How about you? So there's two newer names that have come to my attention. Um, and again, I'm not as high on Brian Dable as I was. Um, just too, a little too pass heavy okay. for, for my taste. Um, and actually the two that pop up, I would like to hear more about because it's kind of that old thing that we talked about. Offensive head coach, great quarterback, OCs getting job out of it, right? Yeah. Um, but it is the two OCs of the NFC teams left. I think they're left for a reason. 
Um, so the OC of the Rams, his name is Kevin O'Connell. Yep. Um, and then the OC of the Niners, uh, Mike McDaniel, are probably my top two. But that is going to change probably. Yeah. Just those are my top two right now as we stand today, Thursday. Very nice. Is that fair? Fair enough. Cool. All right. Well, let us know what you guys think on the new hire for the Minnesota Vikings general manager. Um, obviously excited to have him. And we'll get back to all of your comments uh, either here on the show or in the comments section on our social feeds afterwards. And we can move into the Wild Wolf Watch right back to playing well, playing well, playing well on both sides of the hardwood and the ice. Um, we can go ahead and start with the Minnesota Wild. What are your thoughts on uh, being able to you know, beat the living daylights out of the Chicago Blackhawks a few times here in the last week? Uh, anytime you can beat the Blackhawks is a good thing. Yep. Uh, twice in two days is an even better thing. Love that. Uh, so we did win on Friday the 21st. We won 5-1 to one against the Blackhawks. We came back and played them on the 22nd. Did defeat them 4-3 to three in overtime as well. Yeah. Um, since I can remember, Blackhawks have always been kind of that team for the Wild. Oh, yeah. A little bit of our kryptonite. And to that, beat them is just an absolute blast. Yeah. Um, throughout those games, six periods, eight different goal scorers. The Wild, once again, are displaying that depth line. With nine goals total. Yeah. Like, it, it, you know, to have that many guys that can put the puck in the net, do it consistently, the load doesn't sit on one line, two lines, you know what I mean? It is truly top to bottom, our ability to out-pressure teams on the offensive end. You know, it hasn't worked in every scenario, but we've had, other than that one five-game losing streak, the Wild have never lost more than three consecutive games under the tenure of Dean Evason. So I'm. this is just more more of what we expected with... Are we almost turning into transformation isn't yet complete, but are we almost turning into the NHL's version of the Kansas City Chiefs? Yeah. Speed all over the place, high flying offense, and youth up the wazoo. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, and a really, really fun team to watch as well. And it doesn't and it yeah, and it doesn't this it doesn't surprise me. You know, there and there's been improvements. Like the big knock was our defense because we didn't have the greatest goalie depth. I mean, I thought uh Kakinen or whatever his name is. Capo Kakinen has been playing amazing as of late. He was he couldn't stop a paper bag on a windy day to start the season, but the guy's been playing lights out lately. Right. So it's like if that's the progression we're going to see out of all of our young talent moving forward, have at it, my friend. I think we're in have for a, uh, an exciting end of this season and start a really really fun. I'd say four to five year window. Let's go. I love it. Uh, Gabe, do we have the schedule for the upcoming games? So I do want to touch on, you know, so we, they did beat up on the Blackhawks, but on Monday night, did you see the score of that game on Monday? Mm -hmm. Eight to two over the Canadians. I believe I was listening to this one on the radio. Uh, they had two goals in like 14 seconds. Uh, they just absolutely killed the Canadians at home. My dad was actually at that game. Yeah. Um, um, just murdering teams. Yeah. Just like, hey, welcome to the buzzsaw. Like it's three periods of try to stop us. All right. It's it's been you, you can score. We're just going to score more. Yeah, hundred and ten percent. Gabe, is there a game on the thirtieth there behind our glass half logo? There is. Uh, it's against the Islanders. There we go. Uh, so Sorry about that. Oh, you're you're good. good. So we got Rangers on the twenty eighth. Islanders on the thirtieth. Both on the road, and then uh, back out on the road to play the Blackhawks for a third time in three weeks uh, to kick off the month of February. February, however you want to say it. Um, Mike, what is the record for the Wild uh, next time we see him? 
Uh, first of all, Gabe and all comments, Youth Up the Wazoo was the name of my high school band's first album. What happened? They didn't want it up the wazoo. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to say 2-0-1. Okay. It's where's, just, the it, where's the... Um, I'm going to say the tie... Islanders. Yeah. The, the Islanders are playing well mm -hmm. over there in the East. Um, so I see that as being a, a challenging matchup. Um, but I'm going to go ahead with momentum and confidence. Three wins, no losses. The Rangers are leading their division. That's okay. 28-11. We're the best team in the NHL, Michael. I mean, I do tr strongly believe that. And I don't think the points reflect that just because the games played don't reflect that. Right. Um, I mean, we're three games back of the number one team in our division, which would be, what, six points, which right. would put us in second place. So we're, we're a top team in the NHL, folks. Don't get, let the numbers uh, fool you. Greats on skates over here in Minnesota. The state of hockey, my friend. So should we switch it over to the hardwood? Let's do it. Well, first, uh, if there is anything that we missed about the wild or anything you want us to know, please let us know in the comments and we'll uh, make sure to circle back to you. Yes, sir. So the Timberwolves. The what? Let me triple check. <laughs> I'm almost positive. I'm like 99% sure. But I think they're 500. If they? not a smidge above. I want to say they're a game above. Uh. Not images. What's happening? The Minnesota Timberwolves hey. are 24 and 23 right now, seventh in the Western Conference. Um, only two games back of the six seed and three games back of the five. With some surprise How far wins, can this team go with some surprise wins under their belt recently. Seven and three in the last ten. So we've taken out Brooklyn, obviously minus Kevin Durant, but even still, that's a good team. Yep. Golden State with Clay Thompson. That's a good team. We beat them. Beat them by 20. Beat them by That's, 20. That, if you're going to be a good team in the NBA, you can't control whether or not the, the opposing superstar is out. But if the opposing superstar is out, you Ooh. better beat that team by 20. And Anthony and Edwards did. has been playing like a man possessed. It. I have never seen such a physical presence. Like, I understand LeBron is physical, right? But he's always just kind of been like this downhill bowling ball, like a, a drive and kick kind of guy. Ant is just... A different, he's everywhere on the floor. He doesn't just have one spot. He's got all spots. Like, fastest guy in NBA history with 400 made three-pointers or something like that. Like, there's nothing that this kid can't do. You know, I actually watched the NBA draft when we drafted Ant uh, with my buddy Blake Beers, who's a huge NBA guy. Yep. Um, probably the biggest NBA guy that I know. And actually, when we drafted him, he basically said, okay, okay, uh, would have been fine with LaMelo, but... Ant is going to be a better Dwayne Wade. You and know, I think that that comparison is super accurate. Super, it, it's it's played out perfectly. Yeah. He's, a, he's a better shooting, maybe a little bit more physical. I Dwayne was going to say he's better physically equipped. If you, Dwayne Wade was very much Ken he was Griff physical as well. He was physical as well. He was very much Ken Griffey Jr. Right, like he right. had so all smooth. the talent in yep. the world, but his body couldn't keep pace. Yeah. Ant with the way he's built, doesn't seem like he's going to have that problem. Right. Um, and I don't think that there should be a question moving forward on whose team this is. I, I would 100% agree. Um, as exciting as it is 
to see the Wolves playing extremely effective basketball. So we'll run you through the week that was here. Yep. Um, they did beat the Nets and then uh, beat the Blazers Tuesday night as well, 109 to 107. A nice little comeback as well. Um, and yeah. won the game late in the Great game as well. I will give credit. I don't ever do this. I'll give credit to Cat. Good rebounding down the stretch in that game. Cat is looking better as well. Yes. But I think, does that not come with some of the pressure being off of him? I think it's some of the pressure. I think it's a new coaching staff. I, th I, I think his attitude and just his work ethic has been changed. And yeah. I think a huge part of that is the attention to detail on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. That's just a hustle thing. I mean, to be good at defense, you just, it's effort. You got to care. 90% effort. Um, and I think that that does show, you know, on the offensive side of the floor as well. Gabe Noah is wondering, what do they say about the uh, ant-cat dynamic? I haven't heard anything negative. You know, to the we're, we're really close to having a big three. We Very have a big close. two and a half. And the question is, who who is that half? It, it's D'Lo some nights. Um, it's Jared Vanderbilt some nights. I think it's that um, guy right there. Someone's going to step up into that role, though. We are just such a young team. Right. The, I mean, the Wild and Wolves are in very similar situations with the Wild yeah. having a better record right now. The windows of, of winning and the windows of excitement for fans is going to be four, five, six, seven, eight years. If they can keep it together. Now, in all fairness, they, that is something that they have to prove that they can do is hold the team together, right? And, right. and repeat, right, the, the, the process. I think you can probably put the Wolves a year behind where the Wild were. I would agree with that. Right. About exactly, right? Last year, we were all kind of surprised the Wild were having that type of success. They got into the playoffs. You were like, this is kind of strange, right? But this same thing thought about the Timberwolves right now. Um, that is looking really good right now. It is. You get to keep his... Remember how crazy you thought I was when I said that 47 games ago? <laughs> Very crazy. But it's just one of these things where... And I do think it's going to come from the youth. I really do. I think it's not going to be D'Lo long-term. I think it's going to be McDaniels or Vanderbilt that steps into that role to be the guy, you know, that third, that third piece. So, I, I mean, we'll, we'll see. It's uh, let us know what you yeah. think. Uh, who, who's going to be the true third piece of the big three in Minnesota to make a deep playoff push, hopefully this year. And then um, uh, what are the games we got to come? Yeah. This week is, is going to be tough. tough. Uh, we have our West coast road trip. So we start at golden state. And a back-to-back -back with Phoenix on the road. With a back-to-back -to -back to Phoenix with Phoenix on the road. Um, and then on Sunday, so we get a day off. Sunday, we have the Jazz uh, back at home. And then the Nuggets at home on Tuesday as well. Basically playing the who's who in the Western Conference in the next few games. This is going to speak a lot to yeah. what type of a team we have. So there's two guaranteed losses here for me. Without so question. Yeah, but you don't know who it's going to come against because we can beat anyone on any. On Phoenix any has lost three of their last twenty-five I games. I understand that. I understand that. And they're playing at home. I understand that. But one, we could beat them. It is possible. Um, I'm going to say we have to go two and two during this stretch. I don't know where the two wins come. I don't know where the two losses come. One is probable in Phoenix. One is probable in Golden State. But. In order to keep pace, continue to be the Timberwolves when we meet you again next Thursday, February 3rd. They have to go 2-2. Two and two. Right. Look at this like a playoff series. Right. There are certain stretches in your schedule where you get to truly measure your talent as a team. Treat this as one of them, right? You're going to get a back-to-back -back on the road, which you would get in the playoff against series. Two playoff teams. Against two very high-caliber, high-IQ like high teams. Play them well. You don't necessarily have to win those games. 
Don't get blown out. Don't make big mistakes. Make sure everybody plays efficient, sound basketball, and then do what the Kansas City Chiefs do. Go in, look at the tape, make the small tweaks, and then when you return home to play two more playoff teams, those those changes in your game plan should show through and you should be able to then do what you couldn't do previously, which is win those games. Especially, like, I think a split within a five-day window or whatever for the Golden State would be very telling. If you lose both, you know what I mean? You could say something different, but I, I would agree with you. Two and two would be ideal. Um, but what's up? Sums up with that graphic. Why? Because um, we don't play Golden State again. Oh, we don't? Yeah, we play Golden State today. Suns, Jazz, Nuggets, Pistons, Pistons, Kings. Well, my apologies. It's okay. You're only human. I can only the do so much. Were made. I can Oops. only do so much at 11 o'clock. Mistakes were made. So don't follow along the graphic. The next four games coming up before we see you next Thursday is at the Warriors tonight, tomorrow at the Suns, Sunday at home against the Jazz, and Tuesday at home against the Nuggets. Oh. The, the McNuggets. All right, that's everything that we have for you for the Timberwolves and the Wild Wolf Watch segment. If we miss something about our winter sports teams, please let us know. Uh, we no, like you know what? No, guys. don't please let us know. Make sure you let us know. Yeah, we want your opinion. Say it. Say it with your chest. <laughs> okay, Kevin Hart. All right. So uh, switching <laughs> gears here. So this past weekend was probably some of the best fo football that we've seen in our lifetime. Um, I am predicting more of the same as we head into championship weekend i would agree um we can start with the cincinnati Bengals kansas city chiefs game and to me this is just going to be a a display of are the rest of the guys around joe burrow ready for what comes in games like this i think joe is i think he's displayed it from top to bottom he is not going to shy away from the moment he is going to be ready to go i bet joe burrow's heart rate doesn't even go over 100 i would agree with you my question is can Joe Mixon avoid the costly fumble? Can Tyler Boyd not drop, have a third down drop? Can that defense not, you know, get a pass interference penalty with Patrick Mahomes backed up on Kelsey or Hill? There's th those things that what is what I believe will separate Kansas City from Cincinnati in this game, and that's what needs to be shown here in order for them to win. To be completely honest, I see a very, very similar game to what did happen in Kansas City um, last weekend. I, I see the Bengals scoring very close to with pace with Kansas City. Okay. I just don't see that Bengals defense making the stop when they need it. Is Tyron Mathieu playing this week? I, uh, the Honey Badger? He was hurt. Honey Badger don't give a shit. But he was... He was the only one that, for concussion protocol, wasn't able to re-enter the game for Kansas City. I would say week. more than likely that, he, I think that he, he does play. He makes a big um, difference. I mean, he does, but I, 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 I'm telling you, I think the main storyline of this game is in the secondary of Cincinnati. Yeah. And can they slow down the passing attack of Kansas City? And I, I unfortunately think the answer is no. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to go Kansas City 41, Cincinnati 27. We do see Joe Burrow back in this game next year. Yeah, so I had it 35-27 Kansas City. So we both had Cincinnati scoring 27 points. Yep. But do you not get the feeling that this is one of those games where we get a still shot like Patrick Mahomes, business as usual, goes up, shakes Joe, shakes Joe Burrow's hand, runs off, and Joe Burrow's just kind of standing there like, okay. That's what it's like. I know what I need to do now. See, what I see is actually, again, I'm going to give credit to PA, man. Because sometimes I'm thinking it, and then he says it. 
So now that he has said it, and I haven't yet. Trust me, you and I are on different wavelengths more than we're on the same. (laughs) I'll I'll be thinking it. He says it. And then, of of course, I haven't had the chance to say it on air, so I have to give him the credit for it. Right. I see the game unfolding very similar to what Paul Allen said on 9 to Noon today. And that is, I think Cincinnati's going to go up. I wouldn't be surprised if Cincinnati's up 21 to 7. Halfway through the second quarter. Hosed in the second half. And then Kansas City is going to score 35 straight points and win 41 to 27. Just unravel them over time Yep, like a good boxer. Yeah, I mean, that that would not surprise me whatsoever. So we both got Kansas City moving into the Super Bowl. We do. Um, On the other side of that coin, San Francisco versus the Los Angeles Rams. What a great weekend for California. It is, um, (laughs) you know. Everything's better in LA. So law. Congratulations to them, I guess. Yep. Who do you got as uh as you know the the linchpins for this game? Get it? Can't Lynch? believe I'm gonna say it. Linchpins. Can't believe I'm gonna say it. I got the Niners. Oh what? I got the Niners. Um I think the the style of play that they've played in the playoffs is the style of play that wins games in the playoffs. They're gonna play great defense. I think Stafford throws for under 250 yards. I'm going to say the Niners win on a Robbie Gold field goal in the snow. No, wait. That was last week. Uh, I'm going to say the Niners win. Uh, let's go 24 to 21. Oh, me and you have the scores very close. And week. I'm going to say the Rams are, this is my like in-depth prediction. 24-21 Niners. Rams have the ball as time expires. Stafford isn't able to do what he did last week. Fair enough. I just think the war of attrition is over for San Francisco. Okay. Trent Williams banged up. Back this week. At what percentage? Debo Samuel banged up. Back last, this week. At what percentage? A thin secondary. Fred Warner's been banged up. Joey Bosa had, um, or Nick Bosa, sorry, had the like the neck injury two weeks ago. That style of football, while it is impressive and so physical, if any of those guys are not at 100%, the Rams have all of the weapons necessary to exploit those issues, right? Like if Debo Samuel's not a hundred percent, I'm sorry. He's not Mike Evans. He's not going to do to Jalen Ramsey. What Mike, what Mike Evans did to Jalen Ramsey. If Trent Williams isn't healthy at 100%, I'm lining Aaron Donald up over his ass all game long and making him work for it. It's just one of those things to me. So I've got it as 24, 20 Rams, and, uh, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a clean-cut win. I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of questions left. So I think the Rams will be the second team ever to get to host their own Super Bowl. So these teams met twice this year. Yes. Who won game one? The Rams. No. No, oh, the Niners won the first one? 31-10. to 10. Oh, wow. So that was back in November, and then they met in January. Who won that one? I don't know. The Niners, 27-24. to 24. Hard to beat a team three times. It is, but it's also hard to come out in the NFC Championship game against the team that you've lost to twice. And beat them. And beat them. That's fair. So, Uh, I mean, Leanne Beeks is on your side here. San Fran wins. It's strictly due to the genius genius mind of Shanahan. The man is a mastermind behind the playbook. See, and the OC for San Francisco is uh, one of my top HC prospects right now. You said the same thing about the Rams HC, so stop I I did. I'm playing both sides of the coin. Stop it. Stop it, stop it, stop it. Well, it should be a good weekend of football. Leading into the Super Bowl, without a doubt. Brian Castle, Rams win 33-20. to 20. 
two touchdown game. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, I got I got for sure a, a, a mentor of mine, I would say, from the semi-pro world, uh, Tim Jackson on my side. He's been in my comment section like crazy for his uh, Niner team since like week 16. He's been saying, hey, oh, little I'm telling you. A little late to the season. Had to wait. I'm, I'm <laughs> telling you, though. He's like, watch these Niners. And had to wait for them not to be eliminated. Wins. Had to wait for them not Green to be Bay, eliminated. Green Bay. I know, man. I'm telling you. Watch these Niners. All right. Well, it should be a, an exciting weekend as we find out who the Super Bowl finalists are going to be around the NFL. Let us know what your guys' thoughts are. Who's going to win? Who's right? Who's wrong on this show? We know it's always Gabe and me and Mike are always right. So, Wow. Shade at the producer. Sorry, Gabe. I think you're right some of the time, Gabe. Totally unnecessary. Yeah, just out of the dark. Shots fired. All right. So now uh, we're going to transition into a new segment today. We're going to call it U.S. Highway 753. Yeah. So a uh, seven-minute, a five-minute, and a three-minute segment on three of the bigger B-list topics around the sporting world. Uh, and we, we get to pick them. So here are the three topics that we have for you folks. We have Sean Payton steps down as a Saints head coach. Alex Rodriguez admits to wanting to bring in KG as part of T-Wolves ownership and progress in the MLB labor stoppage. I My vote for the seven-minute segment here would be Sean Payton stepping down as a Saints head coach. I would agree. Coach. All right, so I've got the timer set on my phone here. <laughs> I'll prop it up here in a second, and I'll let you uh, go ahead and start with some of your original thoughts on Sean Payton stepping down. So I don't think it's a coincidence that uh, the movie with Sean Payton starring Kevin James drops tomorrow and Sean Payton is leaving the Saints. I don't think it, that doesn't shock me either. But it's weird to me that this is – he didn't say he's retiring. He said he's stepping No, he away. just can't stomach Kevin James portraying him in a movie. And he's like, man, I really got to step back and reassess my entire life here for <laughs> about a year because Kevin James is playing me in a movie. Yeah. I, I mean – I think it's uh, called Home Team on the, Netflix tomorrow. There are so many pot shots that can be thrown like, oh, the first time it gets hard for Sean Payton, he walks away from the Saints. That's, that as well. The first time he doesn't have a Hall of Fame quarterback. Yeah, like, oh, fuck it. Taysom Hill and who? Oh, Jameis went? I'm, I need a year. I need yep. a year. It, I'm going to go kid, coach my kids this year. Yeah, I'm going to go back and coach high school football like I did when I ruined the Vikings Super Bowl chances by trying to kill Brett Favre, which is what the movie's about. By the way, spoiler alert. Yep. Bounty Gate, he has to go home. I think he coaches his kids, like, youth team. High school football team. Yep. Is it high school or yeah. youth? I think it's high school. Okay. We'll have to watch and find out. But it's just... This I don't is, feel bad for him at all. I don't. It's so weird to me to see him step away, though. And I don't like, feel bad for the Saints at all. I. You know what? This is going to be a chance for them to, to actually reset. Good. I hope they reset for 10 years. And then at the end of those 10 years, I hope they... Start another reset for another 10. The only reason people don't forget Bounty Gate. The only reason, care. the only reason I believe that Sean, that I'm saddened by Sean Payton not or by Sean Payton stepping away is because every time we face him in the playoffs, we whoop his fucking ass. We do. So I am a little bummed that we won't immediately have that going for us walking into playoff games in the NFC for at least next year. You know, but, if Sean Payton ever does hear this, which I highly doubt he ever will, but Sean Payton, if you're listening right now, I hope the career highlight for you, sir, is doing the skull chant in U.S. Bank Stadium with seconds left in the game and then Stefan Diggs doing the Minneapolis miracle on your head and you just eating your words with the skull chant. Yeah. Uh, so Sean Payton is under contract through 2024. As Mike said, uh, if another team wanted to swoop him, they would need to compensate New Orleans, but that is a conversation for next offseason. So obviously he's not going to be a part of the coaching pool for this year. Um, do you think 
do the Saints go out and get a legitimate head coach or do they find an interim just for this year to see if they can readdress the Sean Payton thing next offseason? I think Sean Payton is a successful enough head coach and has been a staple in their organization for long enough that they have to go the interim route. I believe so. I mean, too. you could hire someone and basically tell them, you who's, know, who's on that coaching staff that you would trust. That's what I'm saying. I don't think there's anybody currently. Uh. So they might be looking for basically an assistant HC moving forward and someone to run the ship for this year. That's a that's an interesting niche. That would in. that would be a good spot for Leslie Frazier. Now that I'm thinking about it, that would that would be a good spot because he would run the ship just fine. You'd win seven eight games, then Sean Payton could come back. He's a defensive minded guy. They get to lean into that defense, which is very obviously the strong point of that team. It is now, right? Um, that would be a good fit for him. Give him a one year tryout. I mean, here's the thing though: if you're Leslie Frazier, do you want to leave a top team in the AFC to go to a middling team in the NFC. Well, we don't know if it's a middling team. It could be a top team. Is Tom Brady staying in Tampa? That's not on our list, but... You really think Tom Brady's going to go from Tampa to New Orleans? No, but is Tom Brady going to be back, period, next year? Yes. Okay. Because it's Tom Brady, and he's not 90 years old yet. Fair enough. But yeah, it's it's an interesting scenario, because there's also... They're in cat purgatory as well. We've got three minutes left. Um, we, They're in cat pur purgatory as well, right? So, like, you're looking at a team that's also... Got to pay Kamara. They've got the Michael Thomas issue. They've got a lot of big names on defense. Can they re-sign their safeties? Like, this is a bad time for Sean Payton to step away. And part of me wonders if it was, and I know this sucks to say, because obviously we're not there on a daily basis, but is this not just him looking at, staring down the barrel of a really ugly looking rebuild and going, I don't want to be a part of that? I would think that that's got to be a part of it. But if that's the case, why not just retire? Right. Because you don't want to not be a part of a rebuild and then come back and coach the rebuilt team. That you like, didn't, that you didn't put the studs in for. Yeah, so I don't know what he's doing. I don't know what the game plan is here. Maybe there's an investigation about to break into the Saints and he's getting out now. I We, we don't know. Uh, it's, it's an extremely odd situation. And because of, you know, the odds of it happening are so low, I'm going to point to that there's something that we don't know yet. Yeah, I think that it there's more news to It could be an illness. It could be an investigation. Um, I think that there's going to be something that drops that's huge. Yeah. Bounty Gate 2.0. I don't know. Could be. Could be. Maybe he went to a bar after a game and didn't fly back with the team. And <laughs> he chop-housed ch ch chop some people. Urban Meyer Jr. over here. But this was, this was the most out-of-the-blue, oddly-timed, dismissal for it almost feels like they tried to bury this as like a the timing of it was interesting because he could have done it the monday after week 18 and given the saints the opportunity to truly go out and assess the best head coaching candidates right. but he waited until like the middle of the coaching carousel when it's new news every five minutes so he could get spun through the cycle and the news and cycle is a lot faster yeah, it also came off the back of it came after, by the way. If you're looking at all that it came after, the Brady might retire, Aaron Rodgers might retire, he might be leaving Green Bay reports. You know, there was a lot of there was a lot of other stuff. There's a lot of turnover in the NFL this year. I'm telling We're you. We're gonna see a lot of quarterbacks in different jerseys. We're gonna see Best a lot of quarterbacks not back. Off season. 
This is going to be the culmination of the NFL's version of the Hot Stove League. I would agree. So, all right. We are uh, only 28 seconds left. Well, in 20 seconds, I can say let us know what you think about Sean Payton and his move to step down as the Saints head coach temporarily. Uh, Let us know what you think his motive is or if there's something uh, behind the scenes that we don't yet know about. Um, So we just don't know the timing of the comment. Uh, Leanne Beeks, Sean Payton gave Taysom Hill $40 million and then <laughs> dipped. Um, and Leanne Beeks also said uh, the timing of it made her think something as well. Yeah. Um, my very first thought when I heard he was stepping away, so ruthless. That is ruthless. Um, I would rip the heart out of a franchise that's been leaning on him for 16 years. Right. But um, yeah, let us know what you guys think on Sean Payton's absence i can't say dismissal he wasn't fired stepping away yeah let us know what you guys think is going to happen what his future might entail and then we'll pick one of our next two topics for the five minute i'm going to go ahead and i really kind of want to dig into the mlb stop i would say the mlb labor stoppage as well for the five minutes all right so we'll start the timer on this very interesting gabe has an article for us that he can actually put up when he's got a second i know we're a little out of order skipped yeah sorry yeah yeah, yeah, it's just gonna take me a second that's all right um but there is some movement um it seems from everything that we've heard up to this point, that it has pretty much been a gridlock and players are expecting there to be a delay in a lot of the reporters in the season this year. But over the last week, week and a half, we have seen some pieces start to shake loose. Conversations have started to heat up and the meetings have been more frequent between the Players Association and Rob Manfred and the owners. Um, And one of the biggest uh, points of friction that me and you had discussed previously on this show was the arbitration, the six-year arbitration period that you have to go through before you become an unrestricted free agent, how much money you're really able to earn under those, you know, rules, right? Um, And so this dropped the other day. Uh, MLB opened to pre-arbitration bonus pool for eligible players as label talks continue, sources say. That's from the great Jeff Passan and Jesse Rogers. Um, But interesting, you know, tidbit that comes out of this article here the MLB has offered $10 million. The players want 105. So obviously we are still very far away from, you know, coming to some form of agreement. Um, the money would be str- distributed to the top 30 pre-arbitration players based on wins above replacement and awards such as MVP, Cy Young, um, I'm sure Silver Slugger, Hank Aaron Awards, Golden Gloves, things of that nature. My question is, where is this money coming from? Is it coming from league offices? It's coming from the it's coming from the revenue share. Okay, so it's truly MLB money. Though. Yes. Yeah, I think this is a great idea. I think it is too. But is this not just more of the MLB as a whole painting the? Is this not the billionaires painting the millionaires as greedy when you let numbers out like this? When you go, hey, we've offered them ten; they want a hundred and five. I mean. It's all a PR game. Well, yeah. I mean, it is. You're not wrong. My opinion, if you're under arbitration and you're within your six-year window yeah, and you're making – what's a typical guy make during that window? You're a lot better with that stuff. I mean, Pete Alonso was making, I think, last year, unless he restructured one or two years ago, was making $1.2 million. He led the league in home runs, won the home run derby. So here's a perfect example. Pete Alonso is a perfect example. He was making $1.2 million for the season. Mm-hmm. Led the league in home runs. Yes. What I think that they should do, and this is this is a decent number in my opinion, is the MLB should um, offer $30 million mm-hmm. for the top 30 players. 
make each um, payout a, a specific thing. So if Pete Alonso leads the league in home runs and wins MVP, and each of those are a $1 million bonus, then give him his $2 million. So now Pete Alonso, who was making $1.2 million because of his play, is now making $3.2 million and has almost tripled his income because of his play. Yeah, but I, I think that's think that, exactly what you need to do. But I don't think that's the argument from the player standpoint. The player standpoint is the other guy that's out of arbitration that hit less home runs than I did this year with less incentive-based things in his contract is making $18 million per year. But he's also so there's still in the work for the six years. So, like, that's still the argument. Like, what if you're – so this all goes through. They get rid of arbitration and – you're a third-year guy who can make $10 million. Well, what if you're the seventh-year guy that just got through arbitration and wasted four years of great money? Right. Like, are there going to be some, like, paybacks to these guys? Or are they going to be grandfathered? Like, how is that going to work? That's a question because you're going to have a huge pool of players that are out millions of dollars if this changes another, on its head overnight. Another great example of how baseball has made a mess out of one of the greatest games so I think it has to be baby steps. Period. And to be honest, I, I I think it's logical. I think it makes sense. Do $30 million, do a million per top 30 players. If one player occupies two spots that are uh, basically pre prerequisites for that million dollar bonus, then pay that million dollar bonus twice to the same player. Here's, here's what I had. And make it clear, make it clear to the players at the beginning of the season, say these are the things that you need to do to... Get on this list of 30 players. Awesome. Oh, uh, yeah, 28 seconds left. So here is, was my thought on how this pans out or how the MLB should do this. Wins above replacement for anybody who's playing consistently. If you're an MVB caliber player, you're it's what 5.7, 6.1 at like the highest for the season, right? Sure. Why not go $500,000 multiplied by your wins above replacement to the top 25 players? What's that math shakeout to be? Do you know? So say your wins above replacement is 5.7. 5.7 times $500,000. There's three and a half, three point seven five million to that player specifically. Well, but then the, times 25, you're talking, I mean, 75, 80 million. That's closer to the 105. Well, I, I understand that. But then it's but I then it's not that that, but then it's not flu it's not fluke based. It's not just hey I hit a, a lot of home runs but I had 146 strikeouts this year. Who cares if you hit a lot of home runs? That's one of the prerequisites, and that's that you get your bonus. Well, then you I'm just saying like doesn't have to be 500,000 because 250. I mean, it, it's written the same way in a player contract. Hey, if you hit 40 home runs, we'll give you X amount of dollars. But it doesn't say if you hit 40 home runs and strike out 100 times, the the bonus is void. I'm just saying. I think it's a wise way to do it. There's a lot of different options on how to uh, address this issue. And if the MLB would like to take some uh, ideas directly from the show, feel free to come ask us about yeah, it. Yeah, if you're a fan of the show, please uh, at MLB on this conversation because they need ideas to get out of this mess. Badly. I would like to have baseball this summer. Yeah, not Korean baseball. Yeah. Um, so uh, anything else on the uh, – No, I think we're over our five minutes. So let's uh, swivel right to uh, the Alex Rodriguez – wants to bring Kevin Garnett, the big ticket KG, into Timberwolves' ownership. Should we just do two minutes because we're a little behind? Sure. It doesn't take me long to get through this. All I right. love that this is a gigantic middle finger to our current owner who pretty much just shunned KG from the ownership conversations while the team was for sale. And this needs to happen yesterday. He's great for player development. He understands Minnesota. He's passionate about the city. He's always wanted to be deeply entrenched in us who gave them him the opportunity to become a Hall of Famer. 
and that's the end of the conversation. Like, bring him in. What what bad, what negatives does he possibly bring in? The fact that Glenn Taylor still has the ability to cancel the transaction and cancel the deal. You cannot continue to give Glenn Taylor the finger too many times until he is totally out of the picture. Wait a year or two. No. And then be like, oh, by the way, I'm, I really want to bring KG into the organization. Anybody who th- thought differently is an idiot. Like, then throw shade at Glenn Taylor all you want. But right now, Glenn Taylor still holds the keys to the organization. Let's well, not forget. The guy with the key to target center in his pocket right now is not Alex Rodriguez. It is Glenn Taylor. That's fair. So what bad can KG bring? He could cancel the whole freaking deal. That's what he could bring. I Okay, I don't know. Do I want that to happen? No. And do it I would be KG the pettiest the thing in history. But would you put it past Glenn no. Taylor? No. No, because Glenn Taylor and the poll ads have brunch every Sunday, and they talk about how we can be petty to Minnesota sports fans. That's and that is going to be subject number one this Sunday at the freaking owner's brunch where they go to Denny's and, you know, only spend $7 because yeah. they're cheap owners. Yeah. No, that's fair. But, but I think then as keys hit hand, ink should be drying in other Correct. In other exactly. Rooms. And that's exactly what I would be doing. I would not be coming out with this if I was Alex Rodriguez and if he was smart with how he wants to truly make sure that he is going to be the owner of the Minnesota Timberwolves with Mark Laurie. Yeah, no, I agree. Now, on the flip side, what does KG bring to the organization? You hit the nail on the head. He brings player development. He brings understanding and knowledge of the market itself. Free agents would want to play for a Free guy Free like agents that. would want to come in and play for KG. My question is, where does KG go in the front office? Does he run player personnel? Does he do the hiring and firing of players? Does he sit on the bench during games as an assistant coach and VP of player personnel president, or something? President, uh, of owner and president, and president of owner of president and owner of basketball operations. Okay. Let him be so like let him run the show. I love Alex I, and I Alex Rodriguez has even said that his dream was not necessarily a basketball team. It was a baseball team. He wanted to own a baseball team, right? He has had some issues getting that done. Well, being able to bring in the right pieces will prove to MLB ownership or NFL ownership because there are other teams that will be available for sale in the future that he can get the job done and would lend him a little bit more credence to getting those opportunities. Put in front of him. So allow KG to come in and do your day-to-day things as a guy who understands basketball, and then you just be the check. You just be the majority silent owner that we don't hear from. Because I was even a little sour watching him sit at Lambeau Field in Green Bay Packers gear and cheer on Aaron Rodgers over the weekend. Like, that does not sit well with Minnesota sports fans. That's all I have to say. So we are glass half sports I'll do glass half full and glass half empty real quick of A-Rod being at Lambeau Field. Uh, He did come out and just say that Lambeau Field has been a dream of his to go and watch a game at Lambeau. Didn't have to wear Packers gear. Did not have to wear Packers gear. Could have worn Niners gear. Should have worn Niners gear. Should have worn Niners gear. But I will give him credit. You don't know if he forgot his hat at home and it's 10 degrees and the only, you know, Crap that they're going to sell at Lambeau is going to be the green and gold stuff. I'm sure the Packers PR team was like, oh, here, wear this. But, Alex, you own a Minnesota sports team now. You cannot cross state lines and cheer for those teams to the east. Ever. Can't happen. Ever again. This Ever. was your one. There you go. All right. So that was uh, U.S. Highway 753. Let us know what you guys think on some of the biggest B-list sports topics in the world right now. Uh, And we will get on over to our final segment of the day. Um, The MLB has released 
their Hall of Fame list or candidates or accepts. And this was the for, list that was pushed forward by the BBVAA. Is that right? Yes. And there are other ways to get into the Hall of Fame, but this is the kind of the mainstream way. Correct. For those who don't know. Yes. So um, I'm going to take the timeout right away. To Here, I'm going to take it pre-timeout. <sighs> so for those that don't know, in the BBVAA, you have 10 years of a window. It's eight now. Eight years of a window. Mm -hmm. Did it just change to six? It's, yeah. Okay. So eight-year window, and you have to receive more than 75% of the vote to get, to get into in. the Hall of Fame. Correct. I'm going to take the time out right away to congratulate my favorite player and the greatest DH and clutch hitter in baseball history in David Ortiz. I stood at no less than 40 Twins games three hours early to watch that man as a kid take batting practice get like a jersey or a baseball signed. And I have that stuff encased in like temperature controlled stuff in my house. I am a massive fan of David Ortiz. I believe for what he brings to baseball, what he did for the city or the, for the Red Sox, ending the drought and everything that he was about his entire career, there was probably no better. There was no other player on this list more deserving for his accomplishments than him. Massive congratulations to him. I wish him the best now that he's doing television and covering stuff on the MLB network. You know, round of applause, class act, great guy, nobody better. All right. Uh, the big story, though. Yes. Is the fact that Roger Clemens. Kurt Schilling. Kurt Schilling and Barry Bonds. Will never have a bust. Through the BBV AA. Which is ridiculous. So through the mainstream way to get into the Hall of Fame, mm -hmm. those three guys, their window mm -hmm. is now closed. They are at the end of their eligibility. They never received more than 75% of the vote. Hey, hey, Mike, I have a question for you. Hey, Nick, I have an answer for you. Is uh, Burt Crybaby Blylevin in the Hall of Fame? I believe so. Did he whine his way in on the final year? Yeah. I believe so. So how are you going to have that guy in and keep Kurt Schilling and Roger Clemens out? Do I agree with this logic? No, but it's because Burt Blylevin never stuck a needle in his butt. Oh, neither did Kurt. The bloody, like, think about it, man. Mm -hmm. Philadelphia, Arizona, but every stop he's been at, he's been in big postseason games and performed well. So if anybody's out there like, oh, well, David Ortiz doesn't have the stats, but he got in on clutch performances. The same criteria. I mean, David Ortiz does have, does have the stats, though. He, well, he, not, not, not equivalent to a guy like Barry Bonds. We got the list. Gabe, go ahead. Uh, do you have that graphic? No, the, the David Ortiz, Barry Bonds one. No. <sighs> I sent oh. I know you did. Hang on. I sent, I sent it to him. Let me grab it. He'll get it. But you can't, it's it's the it's the politicking. It's the fact that we heard that there were six writers that turned in blank ballots this year with guys like this on the docket. Your single season home run king with a record that has stood for more than 20 years now. With a huge controversy and asterisk next to it. That's fine. And your all-time home run king whose record is doesn't even look like it can be breathed on at this point. And they're, he's just not going to be allowed in. I understood it when it was Pete Rose. 
right? Back in the day, because the decision I back still think then, Pete Rose should be in the Hall of Fame. But thank you. I still I believe Barry Bond should be in the Hall of I, Fame. I do too. I, I here, here's where I fall on it. Steroids do not give you the ability to hit a curveball. No. Does that enhance performance? Sure. Yes. Why else would you? I heard this argument from Joe Rogan when he was talking about John Jones, like way back in the day, or any of the UFC fighters. If you're taking something, you're obviously taking it because it's going to increase your performance. Right. Everybody knows that going in. Otherwise, why would you take pre-workout? Why would you take protein? Why would you take why would you eat beta healthy? Alley? Why would you eat health? Because it's going to improve your performance. Right. So I don't know necessarily the right path to go on. Hey, hey guys, I got the graphic up. Oh, here. this is perfect. So Bond, 762 homers. Ortiz, 541. All-star appearances, Bond's ahead of him, 14 to 10. Bond's MVPs, seven. Ortiz, zero. Bond's gold gloves. Whoever put LOL under David Ortiz, that's not fair. He was a DH. Positive PED tests. They both have one because David Ortiz was on that list with Manny Ramirez back in the day. And you're not keeping him out. So why are you keeping Bonds out? Why are you keeping Clemens out? You can't politic. You can't pick and choose. The Hall of Fame is set is pretty much designed to be a criteria. And if you meet it, you're in. And if you're not, you're out. See, I think this graphic almost lends screens to... Hall of Fame writers should almost be given statistics with player A, player B, player C. Yep. And and no names. And no names because we both agree. I mean, I would love to see what Bonds' overall career home run numbers would have been without. Like, let's take that 73-year make it 50 and that 64-year make it 50, like somewhat more realistic because he was juicing at the time. I just, I mean, look at a you picture take, of Barry Bonds. He still got 700 home runs on there then. Okay, that's fine. But, dude, has there ever been ever been a human being who's been more affected by steroids than Barry Bonds? I mean, look his at his picture in size. Pittsburgh versus late in his career in San Francisco. We, yeah, we disagree. got to see him without steroids. Like, old Barry Bonds ate young Barry Bonds. Cool. It like we Like you said, that does not give you the ability. To hit a curveball. No, it doesn't. But the here's the thing. Barry Bonds could have been a Hall of Famer without steroids. Probably. He had eight gold gloves, and a lot of those were in Pittsburgh before he got fat, chubby, and started hitting homers in San Francisco. He was a great outfielder and yeah. good, solid contact hitter in Pittsburgh before yep. he came to San Francisco and decided to put stuff in his butt. He was a Hall of Famer before steroids, or, you know, was on pace for that life yeah. anyway. Right. But here's but my question. Different. That's all. How does Mark McGuire have these type of numbers? He hit 50 home runs pre-steroids, 49. Does did, was that pre-steroids though? Does, it was. Does Sammy Sosa have these kind of numbers? McGuire. Well, I know the Sosa McGuire year. Do they have did, did these they kind like, of numbers? Career? Didn't they hit like? Well, Sosa is going to be Sosa's all roids, and I'm a Cubs fan, and I loved him, <laughs> but he's all steroids. My but my point being is there's and so, cork. A lot of a lot of these guys that you see that use steroids, the safety. Sosa the, has six hundred nine career home runs. Okay, so more than Ortiz. That's fine, but my point being is, you look at those guys that were also using. You look at it in any sport. The guys that have been popped for PEDs. A lot of their careers are short lived. They take the substance away from them, or they finally get caught, or whatever the case may be, and they fall off the fucking face of the earth. That didn't happen to this guy. He was consistent with. Without 
controversy, non-controversy, DH, left field, Pittsburgh, San Francisco. From the start of his career to the end of his career, he was one of the most exciting guys to watch at the plate, hands down, no matter what was going on around him. You can, same thing can be said about Pete Rose, and now both of those guys will never get in. I mean, it, here's the thing. Let's be clear. He won't never get in. There are other avenues that can still get him into the Hall of Fame, and I believe that in the next 10 years, you actually do see Barry Bonds in the Hall of Fame. He should have been able to have been voted. I in. agree, but he wasn't. So Same thing goes for Roger Clemens. I agree. This is, uh, I think you landed on, so, so actually, let me throw this out first. Do the other major sports use, does character weigh in this much as it does with baseball for their Hall of Fames? The NFL would be the closest one. Yeah, I would say the NFL is going to be. But even even still, Randy, first ballot guy, right? I mean, they put Ray Lewis in the Hall of Fame and he killed a guy. So, I mean. T.O., all his off-field issues, Hall of Famer. You know what I mean? Like there are guys in the NFL Hall of Fame where you can look at them and you go, you any, can't deny his performance. Any people who cheated in the Hall of Fame? Like, you know, anyone who famously got popped for steroids is in the NFL <laughs> Hall of Fame because they didn't test anyone. Like I that. mean, Rodney Harrison, he popped, and he's one of the great, he was one of the great safeties for that early 2000s Patriots run. You I mean, know what I mean? Here's a guy to ask. Does Chad Johnson ever make the Hall of Fame? Over 10,000 receiving yards. You want to uncan had over another 30-minute conversation. Well, I'm just saying, like, that's an attitude-type guy, right? So if Chad Johnson doesn't make the Hall of Fame, I think it's based because of his attitude. I think it's I think it's the consistency long-term. I mean, he had over 1,000 yards, like, seven straight seasons. He led the league in receiving seven, uh, I think, for five out of seven years with Randy Moss, T.O., Steve Smith Sr., Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne, and all these other Anquan Bolden, top flight receivers in the league. So he was the best at his position for a bad team. So yeah, I, I believe he should get in. But you just, to answer your question on does any other sport care about character as much? Probably not. But that's part of what we run into as a consistent problem for the MLB. Two years ago, the players out of their own pocket ran a marketing campaign against their own owners saying, that was pretty much just let them play. Let us let us bat flip. Let us jaw jack at each other between the mound and the plate. Let us pimp home runs. Let us, you know, let us play ball. So because the the game needs to be changed to fit today. That's what the NFL does. Here's well. the one thing I will say in retort to that, though. The biggest difference between the NFL and the NHL and the NBA and then the MLB. The MLB is America's game, quote-unquote. The MLB has been doing the exact same thing since 1894. Is that not part of what makes baseball pure and it's, special? And it, 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 part of it is being a good person sure. and playing the game the right way. Sure. So as much as I do believe that Barry Bonds should be in the Hall of Fame, he did cheat. He cheated the game and he broke a rule that he was fully clear and knowledgeable about okay so are you immediately going to eliminate guys let's say garrett cole goes on to have this fantastic like this fantastic career are you immediately going to eliminate him because he got caught for 
breaking the rules on the pitcher's mound? I'm going to say no. Then you can't do it to Barry. There are levels to it, Nick. So so you think someone who got caught using pine tar that was a little too sticky, and it's technically a rule break, is the same as someone who's juicing for 10 years and knocking balls into a freaking body of water that nobody else was touching? It's not the same. Do you guys? There's not a black and white to this. There's levels to it. But there has to be for future conversations. Because no, there doesn't. If a guy now falls somewhere between Burt Blylevin and Kurt Schilling, how do you how do you immediately? Because Kurt Schilling doesn't have that, right? Let's just take Kurt as as a great example. My issue is you're going to start to find guys that have lesser stats that are in and greater stats that are out. And all of a sudden you're going to go, oh, does this guy make the Hall of Fame? Well, Kurt didn't make it, so this guy shouldn't. And then all of a sudden we're keeping people out that shouldn't be out because there's somebody in that shouldn't be in. How about the fact that the Major League Baseball is is now staring down the barrel of a situation where their all-time leading hits person is not in the Hall of Fame. Their all-time leading home runs person is not in the Hall of Fame. They're one of the greatest pitchers. Like, I mean, I think Clemens is a top, Definitely a top top three, pitcher, if not top ten. I'm trying to really think about it honestly. Okay, I want to so say what? top five too, but I was Cy Young, Nolan Ryan, and Roger Clemens to me, honestly. Uh, yeah, I mean, 350 wins in a career. Is just yeah, he's he's 21 strikeouts multiple times in a game. Yeah, four 4,500 strikeouts in his career, almost 5,000 innings pitched. But do you guys care about cheating? So that that's what this hmm. comes down to. And then also, so I was thinking as you guys were arguing like a couple of old biddies that, um, that yes, the NBA or the NFL, I can't think of one great player who's sitting out of the hall of fame where they're like doing some campaign for him. Right. Whereas that's in the major leagues constantly. There's some Vikings like, uh, <clears throat> Carl Eller comes to mind, gets kind of a push every year on hall of fame time, but he's, but there's no. All time, there's no no brainers, right? Right, right. That's you know, that are kept out because of conduct. But then the other aspect to this is, is can you cheat in those other sports and make a big difference? So, question for you, yeah, 10 years down the road, does Belichick get in automatic first ballot? There you go, because of the cheating. Does Brady, because of the cheating, I don't think anyone's even considering not putting him in. You want to know what's funny? I'm gonna say no because they were never proved, like, it was never like publicized that they were they got a guilty bill got caught like three times caught spygate deflategate and uh what was the third one there's the third one i want to say i don't know is sean payton getting in i would say no okay to be honest the one super bowl he has he cheated right here's where i think it's different for baseball situations are situational right and and actually before you say it as dumb as it's going to sound, I think it it matters. It, there's like an X and Y chart here. Yep. So it, I, I it, love that this happened. Go ahead. It, it depends on the greatness of the infraction and the greatness of the player. The, the higher the infraction, you better be amazing. Like hitting we'll, we'll, the most home runs ever type amazing. We'll, pu- we'll call it the Barry Clemens line. Yeah. Love it. The Bonds Clemens line. How about that? Yeah. How about this? As If you made up your own cheat, you're out. But if you're cheating the same cheat that everyone else is doing, you're in. Because okay. like, if it's your own sense. cheat, you're just a pioneer. You're not cheating until you get caught and it's somebody doesn't bullshit. like it. Right. I mean, and here's the thing. If, if you're not cheating, you're not trying, right? Bingo. 
So I don't know. I, I personally think that Bonds and Clemens deserve to be in. But if you ask me where do I draw the line, I don't know. It, it's got to be drawn some. It does have. You would agree that it does have to be drawn somewhere. If Bonds finishes second in home runs behind Hank Aaron, keep him out. Really? If Pete Rose wasn't your all-time leading hits guy, keep so him out. if he was one hit behind the leader, you keep, keep him out. out. Wow. See, you can't that's... have your all-time greatest record holder, period. And look at the trajectories of all the great power hitters right now. In an era where it's easier to hit home runs than ever, even without juice, nobody looks like they're going to be able to track down that number. And the only guy that looked like he was going to be close recently was Albert Pujols, and he's going to fall 200 homers short. I think you put them all in with an asterisk. That's what you know, I'm that saying. It's just like you go, this was a steroid era. You can't give them credit, but they were still well, the best. There was of their a, era. And here's the thing, too. Part of the MLB baseball or like the MLB Hall of Fame is to tell the story and the history of the major league baseball. And there was an era in baseball where everybody was sticking a needle. Agreed. So you it, you just put that Except as like Brad Radke. If if you want if you want to as the baseball hall of fame to keep putting these guys in, take everybody with a positive PED test that you would normally put in and put them in a different hall in Cooperstown and just call it the just call it the steroid era. Normalize it. It happened. Make you it can't, a bigger hall. You can't change it now. I think David Wells should be in the Hall of Fame for playing with so many limiting <laughs> drugs. Very true. Very true. But that's like that's how I feel. I think it's ridiculous that Bonds was on the ballot. He had a 64, 65% vote, and there were six blank ballots turned in in his final year. Same thing with Clemens. You know what I mean? Like, I do want to nip, nip this in the bud, though. The people calling for these people to not have their votes anymore. Like, I, get, uh, get over yourself. There's a reason that they have the vote. How old, and just because they didn't use it the way that you see fit, I don't think mean that's that the they, case. I don't think that's the case. Doesn't mean that their qualifications and or Latroy opinions Hawkins should be thrown out. Two votes. Latroy Hawkins did get two votes. But like, you can't look at a guy with a career war of 162.7 and a career war of 139.2 and look at the rest of that list where nobody's even in the hundreds and go, that guy's not in the hall. Again, dude, I agree with you. I'm just saying you, there has to be a line somewhere. And your opinion, uh, to be honest, I disagree with. Your opinion is that the line is, well, you can cheat as much as you want, but if you're second in the category, you're not coming in. If you cheat all, like if you bang trash cans every game and homer every game and put up these ridiculous stats, I don't care what you're like. If you're juicing between innings, that's not. But what you I'm put saying. up 800 home runs, you're getting into the hall. That's not. You what just I'm said saying. that. You said you can be first as long as you're first. You're getting in. How you about, see what I'm saying? That's a, yeah. that's it's a dumb yeah. argument. Yeah. How about this? You guys gave me some perspective on this with this discussion. I think my new line is if they have demonstrated greatness without being on steroids, I'm really good with them going in. But like Sosa, who really I adore, like I mean, he was magical in my young life. And it's like, but he was only under steroids. Like he he demonstrated no really high-end play without steroids. So I'd struggle to put him in. Yeah. Even though, if you say state steroid era, he just he was like up to Willie Mays for home runs. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So let me ask you this. So should character play a part at all? No. 
good or bad? No. So, like, I look at, like, Tory Hunter. Hall of Famer. Should character not almost just give him that bump and give him it yeah. first year so he doesn't have to wait the four to five? Yes. Like, not only was he a perennial gold glover and great at the plate, but just amazing person as well. I think your conduct should only ever be a benefit. A benefit okay. and not a, re a retractor from your play, right? Like, if you want to still tell the story of baseball— you have you can't tell it without Bonds. You can't tell it without Clemens. Regard the era that they played in. The fact that Michael Kadir is on that list is hilarious to me. The era that they played in, that's what was going on. And then baseball one day just came out and said, "Yeah, we don't want you guys doing this anymore." It's no different than well, all the suspensions that got handed out in the UFC. So I actually just I can't remember what I was watching. I was watching something the other day about this, and it was actually really interesting. So the steroids that these guys were taking at the time. Mm -hmm were illegal through the state and federal laws. Yes. So they were illegal substances. Mm -hmm. Major League Baseball did not have them as an illegal substance. Correct. I've never understood until like two days ago when I learned that fact why Mark McGuire was in the Senate like testifying. <laughs> I'm like, what is happening? Right. Well, that's why. Yeah. Because – Baseball didn't even have a rule on paper about PEDs and needed to basically go through the, the criminal justice system mm. to get these guys. Interesting. So does that, does that not add another layer to this? Yes. And saying Barry Bonds didn't even break a baseball rule. Yeah, he broke a, a law unpertaining to sports. So he drove without his seatbelt on a few too many times. And now and he can't get in the, hall of, fame. in the hall of Fame. There we so go. There, That's the perfect way to wrap that up. Thank you, Michael. So if you break an MLB rule, maybe it's a little different, but the rule's got to be on the books. <laughs> there can't be a new substance tomorrow called Raspberry Blue, and it makes you hit curveballs better, and they don't have a rule about it, and now they're keeping guys out who are taking Raspberry Blue. That can't be a thing. Right. You but have to have the rule on paper. But that's where baseball will go, well, oh, it's the unwritten rule. Okay, well, baseball needs to stop with that shit because in the age of technology where I can find just about anything out, everything needs to be put down. I mean, there's always going to be unwritten rules to baseball. Are you not but, a purist at all? That's part of the yeah, fun. It is, is part of the yeah. fun. But I hear what you're saying. Yeah. So I think that we can end that conversation there. I think we've come to a conclusion. Where your seatbelt. Um, yeah. Wear your seatbelt, Wear your seatbelt. Uh, let us know what you thought about that discussion. Let us know what you think about Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens. And we'll, th we'll throw Pete Rose right into that conversation Yeah, should as well. Pete Rose be in? Um, should those three Hall of Fame-type players be in the uh, Cooperstown Hall of Fame? And who are you looking forward to getting in in next year's class that you think, uh, now that there has been some spots, you know, Opened, um, up. opened up at the top of the ballot uh, that you think will sneak in in the years to come. As always, you know, glad to have you guys on a Thursday. Great show today, Michael. Good that was job, a buddy. hell of a show. Good actually, job. I thought uh, I thought we did really well. Proud of you, quick, Gabe. Quick pat on the back with the fans present as well. Um, we look forward to you guys, you know, helping us continue to grow the show. Uh, we're looking forward to 2,000 viewers, hopefully here soon. So please, if you enjoyed any part of the show, you know, make sure to like, comment, share to your friends. Yeah, and um, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, TikToks, uh, Spotify, Patreon, YouTube. There's a lot of and Twitch. And cable. And cable. Yeah, there's a lot of platforms where you can find us. Literally, there's no excuse for you not to watch the show. Right. Or interact with us. Uh, we put out, you know, social media stuff all the time, put out little TikTok videos. That's right. Little uh, tweets or twats or whatever they're called. <laughs> and uh, 
yeah, interact with us on social media. Um, we look forward to uh, getting back with you guys at the start of February. Yeah, where we will be going week. over your Super Bowl matchup for uh, this year, the start of the Winter Olympics, hopefully some more news on the Vikings head coaching search, and maybe a little bit more progress on the baseball labor negotiations. I believe next Thursday we're going to be riding the coaching carousel a little bit. Let's so, do it. Uh, we'll, be, we'll touch back with you guys on that uh, at that time. So I think As that's always. all we got. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Take care. Stay safe. Stay warm. Stay warm.